Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. It's Troy Dooley, the Beachside CEO, and we are having an awesome time this morning. I tell you what, today is the big day. Uh, I go and see the orthopedic surgeon this afternoon to find out what we're going to do about my heel. And I can tell you the swelling has gone down because my foot is a lot looser in the cast, which causes its own frustration because now I think I'm wearing some blisters on the inside. So this is, uh, there's a moral to this story. And that is, don't jump off walls in the wrong type of shoes and not being prepared. That's just the size of it. You know, we have fun, we grow up, and uh, I think I'm going to find a little different type of activity. It's like I said yesterday, bounty hunting is probably not in the equation anymore. Uh, but we're having fun, and that's the key. I've actually been able to spend a lot of time with Jetty. Uh, he hangs out with me here at the house. We've gotten a lot of work done. The teams are growing and life is good. We're on now. If you've been listening any time this month, we have been in the book. Start with why. How great leaders inspire everyone to take action. It's by Simon Sinek. And Simon is an interesting character because he talks in layman's terms, not none of that cockamamie stuff that half the time we don't understand. He's literally talking about what it takes as business people, it doesn't matter if you own the company, working for the company, you're in sales or what. This is one of the greatest books. I have a a new book contract myself that comes out probably next year. Uh, I'm excited about that, signed with a wonderful publishing company. And we're going to be talking about some of this myself in my books because one of the things we've got to be able to do is teach people that it's not about manipulation. And that's what this is about. If you know your why... You don't have to worry about some sales technique, some sales. I'm, and, and listen, I am not saying you don't have to bust your butt and work. But what I'm, and I'm not saying that you don't have to help people understand where they're going. What I'm saying is you don't have to manipulate people. Whether we call it persuasion or manipulation, there's some things that we can do that are right, and it's just the natural ability of the law. It's the way the law of the universe works. Today in Chapter 7, how a tipping point tips. You've heard me talk over the years about Malcolm Gladwell and his book Tipping Point, and we're going to use that as the basis of this chapter. And Simon starts off, he said, if I told you I knew a company that invented an amazing new technology that will change the way we consume TV, would that pique your curiosity, pique your interest? Perhaps you'd be interested in buying this product or investing in the company. Oh, it gets better. They have a single best product available. Their quality is through the roof, way better than anything on the market. And their PR efforts have been so remarkable that they've even become a household name. Are you interested? This was the case of TiVo, a company that seemed to have everything going for them but turned out to be a commercial and financial failure. Since they seemed to have the recipe for success, TiVo's flop defied conventional wisdom. Their struggles, however, 
are easily understood if you consider that they they that they thought what they did mattered more than why they did. They ignored the law of diffusion of innovations. Now that that's one of those things that you're saying, Troy. You just said he talked in layman's terms. He does. That's a that's you got to read Tipping Point. You got to read a couple other books to understand that. You don't need to really know what I'm talking about there. As I continue, you're going to get it. See, in 2000, Malcolm Gladwell created his own tipping point when he shared with us how tipping points happened in business and in society. He aptly named his book The Tipping Point. Gladwell identified, listen, this is the big part. Gladwell identified necessary populations he saw called connectors, and he called them influencers. These were the groups. And with little doubt, Gladwell's ideas are spot on. But it still begs the question, why should an influencer tell anyone about you? Marketers are always trying to influence the influencers, but few really know how. Listen, this is a true point. People, if you look at commercials, they're not trying through those commercials to change the masses. They're trying to change just a few. Let's take Super Bowl. The masses, and, and I mean, I'm talking about, I mean, we got 300 million just in the United States, and about 70 million will watch the Super Bowl from around the world. Okay, those are the influencers, and they put on the best commercials, spend millions of dollars on those commercials, knowing that people will talk about those commercials. That's an influencer. They don't try to get everybody, just a few. Same thing happens if you're watching a, a, a Kate or listening to a Katy Perry song. If somebody starts talking about Katy Perry, it's to an influencer, not to the mass markets. I couldn't tell you who Katy Perry was until my kids started saying, talking about Katy Perry. See, marketers are always trying to influence those influencers, but few really know how. We can't dispute the tipping points happen when the conditions are right. But what exactly? How? See, Simon writes this. If they exist, we should be able to design one. And if we can design a tipping point, we should be able to design one that lasts beyond its initial tip. It's, It's the difference between a fad and an idea that changes an industry or a society forever. Now that's important. Write it down. It's the difference between a fad and an idea... See, there's been many fads that have hit. Bell-bottom pants were a fad. Hula hoops were a fad. Slinkies were a fad. Ideas changed societies. There was a fad that, that lasted for a little bit. It was called a TV dinner. That was a fad. But a microwave was an idea. See, when you think through certain things, you start to see an aha moment, things that happen. In 1962, the book Diffusion of Inventions by Everett Rogers was the first to formally describe how innovations spread. Really, they spread throughout society. And 30 years later, Crossing the Chisholm by Jeffrey Moore expanded on Roger's idea to apply the principle to high-tech product marketing. But the law of diffusion of innovations explains much more 
than just the spread of innovations or technology. It explains the spread of ideas. Let's, let's look at video games. And the reason I picked that is because Jetty's in here working on one of our, our machines, and he's taking a little bit of a break, and why he figures that's a lot like Dalton in that case. But when we look back at video games, we see how simple and easy it was. And people said, those are just going to be fads. But that was an idea. Now we have several different types of games, several different types of machines. We have online gaming. We have offline gaming. We have computer gaming. It was an idea that lasted, and it brought society together. There's different groups, tribes, clans, if you will, that group together to play certain games. But what we've got to understand is how this works. A lot of you have probably heard of the bell curve. And if you have, then you'll understand that our population is broken into five segments. And if you're in network marketing right now, if you're thinking about launching a home-based business, if you're thinking about launching a brick-and-mortar business, listen to what I'm saying right now. Because this is important. There's five segments to our population. There's the innovators, the early adapters, the early majority the late majority and the laggers. Now think a minute. What type of company and what type of person are you? Are you an innovator? Are you somebody that says, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to challenge the status quo, I'm going to take the risks, and I'm going to do something? Are you an early adapter? You see what somebody's done and said, I'm in, man, lock, stock, and barrel. Are you part of the early majority? Once you see that it works, you say, I'm on the bandwagon, let's rock and roll. Are you that late majority? Or maybe a lagger? See, it's interesting. Here's, here's how it breaks down. 2.5% of people, of companies, are innovators. 13.5% are early adapters. 34% are the early majority. 34% are the late majority. 16% are laggers. Now that's interesting. And this law is, is, is a law that works. See, the first 2.5% of the population are the ones that are the ones that go out there and say, I'm going to do it. No matter what happens, I'm going to bust my butt. I believe in this so deeply. I know this is going to work. We see businessmen like that. And there's been there's been several when you look at it. And those those are interesting ones. You look at Bill Gates. Bill Gates was an innovator. Steve Jobs was an innovator. And and they've done things that other people didn't do. Now, a lot of the software companies that that created software programs to work either on the Apple OS or the or the Windows OS, they were early adapters. It's interesting to watch how, how we and I'm just going to use technology for a second. But it's easy to see that. Now let's look at something else. Let's look at coffee. Because this one's a little bit more tricky. Because uh Howard Schultz, the the CEO of Starbucks was an innovator, but he was an innovator in a mature industry, coffee. It's been around freaking generations. 
And then there was people that became early adapters, and they started competing against Starbucks at selling $5 coffee. See, when we when we just sit down and put this in, in, I mean, just layman's, to be able to see what we're doing, all of a sudden we start to really see what's happening. And it's amazing when I when I start to see the power behind this. And that's what I love. See, because that's what sets us apart. That's what allows us to realize where do we stand in this. See, innovators are a small percentage of the population that challenges the rest of us to see and think a little differently. We can take this to to the spiritual realm. You know, you take it to religion. I mean, Judaism been around forever, and then Jesus came around and started Christianity. At least twelve of those guys early on, they were they were they were innovators with him. They were there. A few years later, there were the early adapters. I don't know. Maybe some of us are laggers. We're you know two thousand years down the road, and we're still wondering if it works. But when you think about everything in life, looking at it from this perspective, we quickly find out that there's some sense into all this. See, what happens is innovators and early adapters trust their gut. Art Williams started A.L. Williams and set in 1977. I joined in 1982, and I've had my life insurance policy with them ever since. I just renewed after 20 years another 20-year policy. I could get cheaper term insurance now from a variety of places. My loyalty runs deep because I know what their why is. I believe so deeply in their why that even when I went to World Marketing Alliance as a rep, I never had my life insurance through World Marketing Alliance. I always had my term policy through Primerica. I knew their why was so deeply rooted I trusted my gut. See, this is the difference. When you sat down and you and you sat across from from people that are on the on the right side of the bell curve, that late majority or the laggers, and you say it's a gut instinct with me, they'll look at you like you're freaking dumb as a box of rocks. But see, that's what it is. It truly is about following your gut. That gut starts with that internal part of the brain. See, early adapters like inventors, but to a lesser degree, are willing to pay the premium or suffer some level of inconvenience to own the product or, or the idea or the, or the feeling or the, or the services. See, they know. They can feel that they're going down the right way. When I joined Ocean Avenue a few weeks ago with Paige, we knew in our gut, we knew it was going to be tough, it's going to be hard, there's going to be prices to pay, but it was going to be worth every part of it. We knew without a shadow of a doubt it was going to happen, it was going to work. That was for us. It's not for everybody. I was on the phone yesterday with a guy, and we're working with him in his own company, not trying to get him over to Ocean Avenue. See, I'm the most freaked out, funky dude you'll ever see in network marketing. 
I don't try to take people from other companies. I walk the talk that I talk about. I just want people to hang out with us who feel it, know it, and can understand the why behind it. Then there's people who just want to be first. A lot, a lot of times I think those early majority or the, or the early, not an early majority, but the early adapters, they just want to be first. They're the ones that will stand in line for a mini iPad for hours just to be told they're sold out. They get the iPhone 5 before it's even available. They go get the rock concert tickets. They have every new gadget in their house before anybody else does. I wouldn't say that that was me when it comes to technology. I'm probably an early majority. I want to wait till the second phase comes out, make sure all the bugs are out of it. You can thank Microsoft for that. I had so many of the first uh, operating systems that just flat screwed up that I decided I ever wanted to go through that again. But that's okay. Everybody fits somewhere. See, 34% of the population are that early majority like me. They follow. They're followed by the late majority. Now, that's the strange ones. Late majority are the people that are just now becoming Apple users, I guess. That, that might be me in that case. And I don't think I've ever been a lagger. I'm always, I do want to be on the cutting edge of stuff. And we focus on that. The only thing I'd be a lagger on is probably my cars because I don't like car loans, so I try to buy them when they're five, six, seven, eight years old. But here's something I want you to understand. The further right you go on the curve, the more you will in, in, encounter clients, customers, team members who may need what you have but don't necessarily believe what you believe. As clients... They're the ones for whom no matter how hard you work, it's never enough. Everything usually boils down to a price to them. They are rarely loyal. They rarely give referrals. And sometimes you may even wonder out loud why you still do business with them. They're just customers. They focus on manipulation because of the price. We need them. Listen to me. We need those type of people but they're not the ones that you put your energy into. They're not the ones that you put your focus into. The ones you put your energy and focus into are the ones that are going to be loyal. The ones that buy your product when it's on sale and when it's not on sale. Most of us are so fiercely loyal to a product. I buy Ford products all day long. I won't buy a Chevy. I won't buy a Honda. My wife gets so mad at me. She wants some kind of Honda minivan. But everything from my camper to my daughter's cars in my driveways are Fords. I own a substantial amount of Ford stock. That's how loyal I am to that. Hallmark Channel is another example. I know the why behind the Hallmark Channel. I'm fiercely loyal. I own stock in it. Watch it every day. Fox News, I own stock in it. Watch it every day. Kansas City Southern, I own stock in it. Watch it every day. I mean, watch my stock every day. That's the way we get loyal to certain things. See, this, understanding the tipping point. Do you realize if you know your why, and this is why most of us don't hit the tipping point. We don't know our why. If you know why you do what you do. Somebody said, Troy, how did you break your leg? Because I wanted to see if I was actually 18 again. It wasn't some not thought out process. It really wasn't. I mean, I knew exactly what I was going to do, why I was going to do it. I knew how to land the whole kit and caboodle. 
it just didn't happen the way I'd planned it out. But I knew what I was doing and where I was going and why I was doing it. In everything in life, if we know our why, a lot of different things will happen. And this isn't in Simon's book, but I'm going to share it with you. If you know your why, a lot of times things just run down your your your, your back. You don't care. It's no big deal. See, I've learned already that it's one of the most crazy, amazing things out there. When you know your why, you're able to go through obstacles that just don't matter. When you know your why, let's take a woman pregnant. When a woman decides to go and get pregnant, and I'm not, I'm not talking about unwed mothers. I'm talking about a, a mother that, well, I mean, I guess she could be unwed. Don't, Ladies, please don't be offended on that, but... I'm talking about a woman that, that makes the decision, I want to have a baby and I'm going to carry it for nine months. Those women know their why. They know without a shadow of a doubt to pop that little thing out of that little vagina, it's going to hurt like the dickens. And if it doesn't come out right, they're going to get a C-section and that's even worse. But because they know their why... It's worth it. The discomfort of carrying that little child in their belly, the discomfort of trying to push that out, to be able to hold that child in their arms, knowing that child's going to grow up, be an adult, probably act just like they did, it's not worse. It's all worth it because they know their why. See, that's what we got to look at. When you know your why, anything is possible. I'm going to take this to the spiritual side for a minute. Jesus knew his why. Now, listen, if you're new to the show, it doesn't matter if you believe what I believe. Just listen for a second. He knew his why so deeply, but yet he was still willing to walk the earth for three and a half years, teaching people. He knew his why didn't mean that he didn't get down on his knees and say, Father, if there's any way we can change the outcome, I'd love to because this is going to suck. Troy's rendition of what he said. He articulated things better. But it didn't stop him. And whether you believe the story or not, he's on a cross. And he calls out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's pretty that's pretty deep when you think about it. See, so many times we don't look at things in every aspect. We only look at the business side. And I'm in on that because this is a business show. That's why we're called the Beachside CEO. But think about this. Most people or organizations that have something to sell, be it a product, a service, or idea, hope to achieve some level of mass market success or acceptance. Most hope to penetrate the bell curve. Getting there, however, is easier said than done. And when you ask small business about their goal, many of them will tell you they they want to be a billion-dollar business in X amount of years. I hear this in network marketing all the time. 
But now let me give you the raw data. There's around 27 million businesses registered in the United States and fewer than 2,000 ever reach a billion dollars in annual revenue. 99.9% of all businesses in America have fewer than 500 employees. In other words, mass market billion dollar legacy building companies is hard to achieve. It's even harder for big companies to achieve it more than once. Microsoft has done it with Windows and they've done it with Office. They sure didn't do it with the Zune product that was supposed to be the the biggest competitor against the iPhone. See, it's interesting when you look at stuff like this, when you start to realize this is how it works. See, you've got to work on this stuff. See, it's nearly impossible to achieve if you want to point your marketing and resources to the middle of the bell curve. So many times businesses say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be at the beginning. I'm going to go focus on the masses. I'm going to focus on the 34% that are either early, or not, yeah, early majority or late majority, because that would give me the majority period. I mean, think about it. Common sense. Now, this is, this is where we've got to go with gut instinct, not common sense sometimes. Because common sense would say, well, if I add up 34 and 34, that makes 68. I want 68% of the people looking at me, but yet 68% of the people are not going to make you a billion-dollar business. Because they're the ones that got to sit around fiddle farting, thinking they're not the ones out there building. How are you going to woe people that are like just sitting there wondering if it's really going to work ever? Trying to analyze everything. See, according to the law of diffusion, mass market success can only be achieved after you penetrate between 15 and 18 percent of the market. If you're going to do that, you've got to go for the top end. You've got to go for those people that get it fast. Sadly, now this is the kicker, mass market companies don't do that. They go for manipulation. What happens is they try to buy the sales, but they don't get loyalty. See, loyalty is when people are willing to suffer some inconvenience or pay a premium to do business with you. They may even turn down a better offer from someone else. Something the late majority rarely does. So the ability to get the system to tip is the point in which the growth of the business will spread. That's when you see, if you're in network marketing again, if you're in a party plan, anything in sales, that's when you start to see sales explode. That's when you see people actually talking about your product and sending referrals to you without you asking. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, the sky's the limit. But if you refuse to consider the law of diffusion, I'm telling you, it'll cost you. That's what happened to TiVo. TiVo TiVo should have done, what they should have done was talk about what they believed in, why they had decided to create a product that would allow you to wipe out the commercials. Why it existed. They didn't even focus on the golden circle. And it's sad because they had something there. See, you've got to realize as we close out the hour, you've got to give people something to believe in. I wasn't alive when Martin Luther King was here. 
But Dr. King was absolute in his conviction. He knew change had to happen in America. His clarity of why, his sense of purpose, gave him the strength and the energy to continue to fight against unseemingly insurmountable odds. Now, if you go back to that time, because I've studied it, how to accomplish civil rights, what to do, man, that was questionable. Malcolm X said violence. The Black Panthers were rolling. But Martin Luther King had something, two words that he just said over and over, I believe, I believe, I believe. And at the end, even after he was assassinated, his words, I believe, in this nation, a hundred years after the end of the Civil War, this country started saying, we believe, we believe, we believe. And i got to tell you, I think America is a better place for my kids today. That was a tipping point. It was a hundred years after it was supposed to happen, but it was a tipping point. And it's amazing. Tomorrow, we're going to start a whole new part four, how to rally those that believe. Start with why, but know how. It's going to be a rocking time. It's going to be fun. Tomorrow, I'll give you the uh, prognosis of my foot from the surgeon, and we'll know where we're going from there. I tell you what, uh, God is good. I'm excited about it. We're going to see where it's going. Live life like it's an epic adventure. Stay dangerous. Stay strong. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Beachside CEO. We are now heard around the globe on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive powered radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.